Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Hyman, coming to you live early morning edition, Thursday, March 9th, 2023. I was having some withdrawals from the podcast, guys. Y'all got me fired up about doing it. Went a couple days without it, so... We're up extra early this morning to go ahead and knock one out. Uh, had a lot going on with work and baseball this week. It's been real tough, so I uh, haven't had a much have have not had much time um, to pod outside of the episode with Coach Allison the other day, which uh, was a big hit. Have gotten a tremendous amount of feedback on that. Thank you to everybody who's uh, offered some insight, offered some constructive criticism, uh, and all that. It's uh, it's awesome. I mean, I, I like I said, I had no idea 12 episodes ago that we'd be recording episode 13 and still going strong with the amount of views and subscribers and everything else we have. So keep them coming. Please keep sharing it with friends, uh, retweeting, sharing it on Facebook, whatever, because um, that's how we're going to grow. Uh, and again, you know, our job's to leave the world better than we found it. And the more people we can touch through this podcast, the better. So I'm going to release an article today as well as a pod. Um, this one's focused on staying locked in on the present moment. But before we get into all that, I'm going to kind of give you an update on how things have been going. So uh, in phase, I'm in phase two of training with work. So real stressful. It's, you know, when you work for a pharmaceutical company, this is kind of the period of time where uh, in phase two, you really learn what the clinical message is for your product and stuff like that. So uh, I think yesterday, the majority of my day was spent going through what we call our core visual aid. And, you know, here, hey, you put an emphasis on these words, you know, you say this, you know, here's the gist of the study, you know, here's how you, you talk to a physician about it. So it's a really good stuff. Um, I think what you find when you do these things is your company has a an idea of what it should look like. But then when you get into the field, what you realize is your customers, your doctors, they expect something a little bit different. So you take the good pieces of what your company teaches you and, and you meet your customers where they are and kind of give them the appropriate message depending on where they are. So I love what I do for a living. Uh, I think it's, it's fun. I would be terrible at my job though. If I, you know, read things off the paper, like they want us to do sometimes, but um, yeah, that's neither here or there. You know, you got to put your own spin on things and while also making sure you're compliant. Um, so that's what we do. So anyways, that's where we're at work-wise. We've got two more weeks of that before I actually get out into the field again, which is going to be good. I haven't seen my customers. And God, I think last time I saw them was around December 10th, something like that. Uh, so it's been quite some time and I'm excited about this product. I have a thing. It's going to be a game changer and, and something to really fired up. I think it's going to have a positive impact on people that suffer from um what they call hypercholesterolemia or, you know, elevated LDL levels. Sorry, I'm nerding out. My bad. Let me get back on topic. So from a baseball standpoint, uh, Tuesday night was a great night for the Bruins. Varsity Bruins went down to Lakewood. It's down at Sumter. Faced a very well-coached team. Coach Bill Delavan's down there. Um, just does a phenomenal job with that program. I've always had a lot of respect for him. Uh, his son's a pitcher over at USC Sumter. He's a good competitor. Um, we never got to see him last year, but I know, you know, post one saw him during Legion ball and stuff like that. And, uh, Hey, he's a competitor. Um, love the way that guy competes. So, uh, and it makes sense because his dad is, you know, he's top notch in the way he coaches the game. So, uh, great squad down there. Um, I got a first baseman. I think he started in center field, but first baseman, I liked a lot. BJ, his name is BJ balls, 
something like that. Real good. Um, loved the way that dude competed. So, anyways, so we went down there. Um, I think it was eleven nothing victory. I think five four three. Yep, no twelve nothing victory. Whatever it was, uh, it was a uh, Aiden Palmer got on the mound through a no no. I think that was his fifth career no hitter uh, during his time at South Lawrence, which was which was huge. The bat stayed alive. Um, we continue to to bang out hits and, and and have competitive at bats. And I think the thing I'm most proud of is the way our guys have ran the bases and and all that. Um, I told them when I got on the bus how proud I was for the way they bought into that and and kind of. It's important to me. Uh, and and they've really made it important to them in their execution and stuff like that. So uh it was just great to see. So um the Bruins are playing good baseball right now. I, I've said this for a while. Um we've got a group of guys that of all the teams I've ever coached, uh they're the best unit. They're the best team. They 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 lose focus every once in a while and when they lose focus they're not as good as they, they can be. Um, but when those dudes are locked in, I believe they can play with anybody in the state. So um, I'm excited about kind of their trajectory and and what's in store for them this season if they continue along the path that they're going. So if you guys are listening, again, we're real proud of you. Keep it up. Um, you know, region play starts next week for us, and we all know that's kind of – that's where your season's won and lost right there, region play. Uh, you got to perform well in the region to make the playoffs and – the better you perform, the better your seeding. They changed the playoff format this year to kind of, I think, the lower state and upper state are going to be split into two eight-team brackets. So, obviously, you're, you know, you win your region, you know, you get that, that you know, highly sought after one seed. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be going for. It's going to be it's going to be a competitive. Our region's very competitive between North Myrtle Beach, West Florence, Hartsville, us, Wilson, Myrtle Beach. I mean, it's a good region. Except for a long time, it's a uh, the SEC of the of lower of the of 4A baseball in the lower state. So uh, anybody who comes out of our region is normally battle tested come playoff time. So I'm excited. Um, our guys are working hard. Uh, they're really coming together as a team. So it's gonna be real exciting to see that. Our JV Bruins took one on the chin last night. So play West Florence again. Um, got swept in a in a doubleheader yesterday, and. Uh, I was real proud of the way we competed in the first game. We got put ourselves in a hole in the first inning, struggling to throw strikes, and and uh, I don't remember if we didn't play defense well or what. But I it just we came out of the gate kind of flat, and um, you know you just can't afford to do that when you're playing good teams. West Florence is a good team; they're well coached. Um, but I was happy, uh, just proud of the way that they. They fought back. Um, they could have folded early in the game when it was – I think we gave up four in the first inning maybe. Yeah, sorry. We gave up five in the first inning. Um, and I think about all of those were earned. So, you know, it's a combination of walks and, and hits. But, you know, when you put yourself in a 5 nothing hole to start the game – um, you're always interested to see how your team responds. And I thought our guys did a good job that that bottom half of the first inning coming out there, finding a way to put a couple runs on the board to answer back. Um, then we followed the next inning up with a big inning after they had another big inning. So after two, uh, it was eight to six. 
found a way to tie it up in the third. And then, you know, we just lost focus in the fourth and gave up another big inning. The, the first game was a story of the big inning for our JV guys last night. We just could not stay away from the big inning. The three runs they scored, they scored five runs, three runs, and five runs. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to compete. I, I, the one area I was, I was probably most disappointed was we fought all the way back to make it 8-8. Eight to eight And you have a lot of momentum going there. And to lose focus and give up a five spot there, um, you know, it's tough. But at the JV level, that's they have to go through these things. They have to learn these things because um, it's going to make them better down the line. So, you know, second game was a little bit different story. We didn't, didn't really – answer the bell or, you know, answer the challenge that we had um, that we gave them after the first game. But it happens. You can have nights. You can't be perfect every night. Um, and I think as a program, those guys learned something about their se- themselves last night. And I think we have a little bit more clear direction on the things that they're going to have to do moving forward to make sure they continue raising the bar every day versus lowering the bar. Um, so – a lot of a lot of players came in front of them and worked really hard to to raise the bar for the program and they're the future. We tell them all the time, you guys are the future of our program. Um, you know, our success or failure really falls on your shoulders to continue pushing the needle forward and and all that. So I think we got the right group of guys over there. It's just gonna take some intentional focus on their part to to prepare themselves for later in the year and and, and for next year. So um the good thing about JV baseball is we get those nasty nights again next week. So have an opportunity to close the season series, uh, you know, finish it at, you know, three to two. They'll win the series for the season, but um, we at least want to make it competitive. So anyways, that's that. So uh, one, <clears throat> one thing that I've really enjoyed is uh, I've gotten a lot of, Twitter messages and, and, and emails from various people just kind of talking about number one, giving good feedback, but then saying, Hey, here's some things that I think um, would be good to talk about. So I'm going to start a session called mailbag mailbag. Maybe I'll do it on Mondays, mailbag Mondays. I don't know. And so if you listen to this and there's something you'd like to hear about, something you have a question about, something you want us to uh, touch on or whatever, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter and, and let me know. Hey, um, this is, could you do this? And and we'll kind of start covering those on Mailbag Monday. So the thing we're going to talk about today about staying locked in on the present moment is actually as a result of a message I got from a parent uh, here in town who's got a, a local middle school player. Great kid. Um, you know, I, I don't know him personally, but I've asked about him uh, around the game about you know, from people I trust and people who know him, obviously know his father. Um, great guy. <clears throat> I think he represents a lot right about, you know, people who jump into the travel ball game early, coaching teams, and do a really good job of keeping a group of kids together and building them up and teaching them the game the right way, how to compete and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I tip my, my hat to this, this father and this coach who um, does it the right way. And it shows with the level of player that they are producing um, in this particular middle school program and, and JV program. Uh, it's, it's a result of things like that. So uh, they're setting those kids up for success. So when they get to the high school level, it's, you know, then it's the obviously the job of the high school program to 
continue to build those guys up and help them reach their ceiling. So this dad, he does a phenomenal job, but he he actually um had a good question. I think, you know, he's got a his kid. I like I said, his kid's a great kid. Um, from what I've heard. I I've seen him play a couple of times, love the way he plays the game. So I think he's got a bright future. So um, but kind of the thing he was talking about was the middle school mindset, you know, the mindset of young players, how they sometimes struggle to the, the game gets tough, it speeds up, adversity hits, and they don't really know how to handle it. Maybe they handle it poorly. A lot of them don't handle it well, obviously. Um, so he kind of wanted me to talk him through, you know, not talk him through that, but just kind of give some input on that. So as I read that, what I thought about was this idea of staying locked in on the present moment. And, you know, again, if you haven't read Coach Justin Deemer's book, one pitch warrior. Uh, I know I've said it a hundred times. Um, it's a good one to read because that one pitch warrior mindset is all about being locked in on these, the next pitch, right? The present moment, present pitch, um, locked in right here, understanding that I'm going to put all of my focus on this moment, regardless of what happened the pitch before, regardless of what, you know, we can't, can't worry about the following pitch till we get through the current pitch. Right. So, um, that's kind of, initially where I started buying into that. And then, you know, Steve Springer is another guy that I think the world of, um, you know, he talks about some stuff that we're going to talk about today as well. So staying locked in on the present moment, that's going to be uh, the topic today. So, and again, one of the biggest challenges for young players is just keeping their mind locked in on the present moment, you know, regardless of what's happened up to that moment. Uh, it requires just, deliberate, intentional focus uh, and discipline to lock in on this moment, this pitch, this play, regardless of what's happened before this particular moment. Um, I, I coached middle school baseball for three years. And one of the, you know, one of the toughest things that I saw was those young players, they come up from the rec level, from the travel ball level, um, and honestly, to be honest with you, a lot of them aren't really used to experience experiencing failure, I, I would say, because normally they're one of the best one or two players on their team. And, you know, they're used to batting 650 and, you know, all this other good stuff. And, and so you get down where the competition is a little bit better and, you know, maybe the the ask is a little bit different. Um You know, it sometimes they struggle, you know, 650 becomes 325, like – you know, that would be probably a drastic drop, but you get what I'm saying. So the thing they struggle with is they carry those bad at-bats, they carry a couple bad plays defensively um, or a bad inning on the mound. They carry it with them for the rest of the day, and they never get to a point where they understand that that bad at-bat I just had has no bearing on my ability to make a great play defensively the next inning or me making a bad play this inning has no bearing on my ability to go be – you know, go have a great at bat, this at bat I'm about to have as soon as we get the third out. So um, today we're going to kind of focus around strategies the young players and parents and coaches can use to help those kids stay in the moment and not let the, let the moment become too big. Because that's essentially what happens. Everything starts caving in around them. Um, the pressure goes up. Adversity goes up. They're not, they're not used to handling. It just becomes – they take what should be very simple and obtainable and turn it into – you know, the end of the world and, and, and a massive struggle. And, and we don't, you can't compete in that headspace. So um, 
there's three key points to this. I'll talk about each one in a minute. Um, but again, I've referenced Steve Springer probably 20 times throughout this podcast. Um, and one of my favorite talks he's ever given is on the opening day mindset. And, <clears throat> you know, I think that mindset's absolutely crucial for players to adopt um, because it's going to allow them to be better prepared to lock into the present moment. You know, they it helps them understand their ability to succeed or fail throughout the game is actually a series of just independent moments that have nothing to do with each other. Um, and understanding that is the first step in the process, right? So I kind of touched on this a second ago, but the kind of where we're trending towards is, you know, my ability to have a quality at bat in my second at bat of the game has nothing to do with what I did in my first at bat. It has everything to do with my mindset going into that second at bat, that third at bat, the next day, et cetera. So um, the first thing we're going to talk about, opening day mindset, I'm just going to touch on this. Again, this is not my information. This is stuff that over the years of just research and, and, and educating myself, you come across things that you're like, hey, I'm putting that in my back pocket because it's a good thing. Um, it's something that can help. I mean, it's something even – myself like i go into my days and try to have an opening day mindset to how i'm going to execute my my day um so you know when coach and this is something obviously players can do the same thing so when when coach springer talks about the opening day mindset what he's referring to is uh opening day every opening day in the history of baseball at any level right when you look at opening day as a coach as a player as a parent whatever there's nothing but good feelings that come from opening day, right? There's never been a player, coach, parent, whatever, who was not excited and confident to go out and either compete or watch their kid compete on opening day. Why is that? The reason is because there's no yesterday cast, casting doubt in your mind about your ability to be a great player today, right? <laughs> on opening day, everybody's 0 for 0, right? This, this, I, Everybody thinks I can bat a thousand, right? Because you're O for O. It's not, there's no blemish on your record yet. Everybody can field a thousand. Every pitcher can have a zero ERA, right? Um, it's a good feeling. I remember as a player how good that felt. Like, hey man, hey, clean slate. Then you feel really good if you get like you start start the year off two for two or something. Like, all right, yeah, man. Yeah, keep this baby going. But uh Coach Springer talks about, you know, that he talks a lot about bats at bats, bad moments stacking up on each other. Um, so, you know, on opening day, I'm real excited. I get four at bats. I go over four. Okay. Going to show up the next day. Right. And if I don't have that opening day mindset of feeling good, I'm going to carry that over four into my first at bat. And then I'm over five. And then let's say two at bats later, I'm now over seven. Okay, now I'm starting to feel the pressure because those seven at bats are stacking up on on top of each other, and it's like, oh my god, man, I got to get a hit. Like, I got to get a hit. I'm over seven. I'm over seven. And now, and once that happens, you're really what you end up doing is you're allowing those O for whatever to cast doubt into your mind about your ability to be great on this pitch. Um, that's because the way the game, you know, we talk about this game being a morale killing game. It is. It's the greatest morale killer. Uh, morale killing sport in the world, right? Because you can do everything right, and at the end of the day, your batting average might say you're you're terrible, right? You know, all O for tens are do not come equal, right? They're not all equal. Like, 
0 for 10, you know, where six of those at bats were quality at bats, you know, where, you know, you just hit it right at somebody and, and, you know, they made a good play or whatever. Like there's not, you can't do anything about that. So that's why, you know, I think it's important that you don't let a bat stack up on you. You don't let bad innings stack up on you. You treat every day like it's opening day. Um, and as a result of that, if you treat it like it's open today, you can control who shows up at the ballpark every day, right? Uh, one thing he talks about, every player in the world has two versions of themselves, right? They've got a confident version who's really good, and you have a non-confident confident version who's not good. Yeah, That non-confident dude can't play, right? That confident guy, he can play for a long time. Um. And, you know, I think it ultimately comes down to the decisions that young players have to make early on. Um, They have to decide early on that regardless of the outcome of yesterday, today's a new opportunity for me to go be great. Uh, Today's a new opportunity for me to be the hero. Today's a new opportunity for, you know, me to go four for four or whatever. I mean, whatever success looks like. But they have to understand their performance yesterday or their performance last inning or their performance the last at bat, it has zero zero impact on their ability to go be great this pitch this moment right um I, we tell our players all the time so what next pitch right so what okay it's over now we can do about it. um just lock in on being the best we can be on the next the next at bat next pitch next defensive play whatever all right, so that's that. Opening day mindset. We need to really work hard to try to establish that with our young players, especially at the middle school level, right? Confident version of them that's really good, non-confident version that dude can't play, right? That dude's out of the game pretty early. So next thing, this mindset around it's not about me, okay? And this is a big one. This is probably – this is the big – when I coach middle school baseball – and even even in high school, we we run this sometimes now, especially with our JV team, uh, JV at the JV level. Okay, it's not about you, not about me. It's about the program, right? Um, it's about what can I do to help my team right now. That's it, right? You know, today's young players been brought up in this me very me centric world. You know, me, my stats, my feelings, me, 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 me. Right. Um, I think the big thing I've seen over the years is the minute a player starts transitioning into caring more about the team than he cares about itself is the moment that he can break away from the pressure um, that comes with trying to bear all the weight when you're making it about you. You know, it kind of annoys me when I hear people say, well, baseball is not really a team game. No, baseball is absolutely a team game. Right. It requires everybody executing their piece of the pie for the team to accomplish their version of 100%, right? If you've got 16 out of 17 guys, you know, working towards uh, executing their role, you still are going to fall short of your 100% because somebody didn't do their part. Um, You know, when you think about it, there's nobody in the history of this game has ever stood on the pitcher's mound, pitched the ball, ran and caught it, threw it back to themselves, pitched it, ball in play, fielded it, threw it. I mean, it requires a total team effort. So when people say baseball is not a team game, it's an individual game, I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Um, and that was a I, quick story. My oldest son, you know, he plays golf. Um, he got the potential to be 
really good. Um, he works hard. He represents everything great about blue collar and, and overcoming adversity and stuff like that. I'm extremely proud of him. Now, from a result standpoint, he hasn't gotten the results that he wants yet, but I think he's close. Um, but the biggest thing for him coming from baseball to football or not football from coming from being a baseball player to a golfer is, you know, you go from a team environment where you can still have a bad night. You can have a bad night. And the team can still win to an individual environment where, you know, when that snowball starts rolling downhill, there's only one person who can stop it. And that's you. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about a game like baseball is you don't have to shoulder all that by yourself. Right. You go up there, you try to execute, you try to do your job. Um, and and if you don't, if you fail, you know, it's okay. Because you got eight other dudes, nine other dudes, 12 other dudes, however many people are on your team who can help get the team over the cur- over the hump. Um, you know, as a result of this game being a team game, not an individual game, you know, to my point, you can have that terrible night statistically and the team can still win the baseball game. And at the end of the day, the headline's gonna not not gonna read player A went 0 for four. The headline reads team A defeats team B. Uh, and when the last out's made, that's all anybody cares about. Who won, who lost. That's it. Yeah. You know? Hey, you know, when I played, did I care about what my box score was? Yeah, I, I did care about my box score. But at the end of the day, I didn't walk out of the dugout feeling like crap when we won a big game and I went 0 for three. Didn't matter. Um, so, you know, kind of a point I had to make about this was, you know, because of the me centric environment, young players being brought up in these guys spend too much time being worried about their box or box scores that are worrying about what they did to help their team be in a better position to win the game. Um, and when you focus on box score, sometimes you miss the forest through the trees, right? Instead of focusing on that 0 for 4, the three errors you made, you know, what you don't talk about is the other ways you positively impacted the game. Because regardless of what your box score says, there's always opportunities for you to positively impact the game. You know, whether it's your play on the field, something you did defensively, or just, you know, hey, maybe you gave somebody a, you know, something that you picked up on with the pitcher's cadence that allowed us to steal a bag that put a guy into scoring position who he then scored on the next play, stuff like that, or, you know, what about the nine pitch of bat you had before you struck out for the second time that drove that pitcher's pitch count who was dom it drove his pitch count up. He's dominating, right? You have a nine pitch at bat, totally competitive. All right. Gets a gets his pitch count up. Guess what? He comes out of the game in the fifth instead of the sixth or the seventh. You know, we get to their bullpen. That's huge. You yeah, your box score says you're 0 for four. Okay. But you contributed something extremely positive to helping that team win that game. What about that reached on air you got in the second inning where you're hustling out of the box on a fly ball to left, okay, and the guy botched it and you ended up on second because you weren't dogging it out of the box, okay? Then on the next pitch, you know, your teammate gets a two-out single to right field and you score, okay? That's huge. Yeah, sure, box score doesn't look good. I'm 0 for 2. I struck out once on a nine-pitch at bat, and now I just fly it out to left and I reached on an air. Yeah, that doesn't look good. Yeah, my batting average went down there. But guess what? Like, what I did because of my play, because of sticking to the things that are important to me from a principal standpoint regarding hustle, you know, hustle doubles, you know, stuff like that, that's what happens. Help my, I'm doing something to help my team win the game on this pitch. 
Okay. What about that perfectly executed relay you performed in the seventh in- seventh inning that stopped the tie and run from scoring? After the play before that, you made your third area of the game, right? Those are all things that don't show up favorably in a box score because you're playing the game and I don't give a crap about me mode. I only care about helping my team win today mode. You're able to impact the game in a much larger way than going two for two with two infield singles, right? That's probably one of the greatest things the younger guys can figure out. It's like adversity is going to happen. Bad moments are going to happen. You're going to have piss poor performances. Okay. You're going to have bad at bats. You're going to get on the mound sometimes and can't throw strikes. The ball is going to find you when your confidence is so low from booting a couple balls in a row around. Right. Um, So you got to stay and I don't give a crap about me and my feelings mode and say, so what? Next pitch, I'm getting after it, and I'm going to try to help do something positive to help my team get closer to winning the game, right? Yeah, These young players have to remember that when you get into me mode and you start showing out after a bat at bat, um, start throwing helmets, cussing, carrying on, not only are you not helping your team win in that moment, you're becoming a distraction to what your dudes are trying to accomplish. You know, for that moment, you take your teammates' focus off of the end goal and shift their focus onto you, right? Because then your actions force them to have to police you, okay? And it becomes a major distraction, and it totally takes your teammates out of the mindset where they compete best. It's selfish, uh, and it gets out. It gets in the way of your team being able to compete at the highest level. It's just not good. And, like, that's how things spiral out of control, Um on young players, especially at that middle school level, because they're just not used to the team aspect. It's all me, 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 me. Um, And see, that trickles into other levels of the game, too, because the same player who lacks self-control to not show out, you know, in those moments is the same guy who swings for the defenses when the team's down by one run with a tying run on third base, one out in the last inning. He's the same guy. Because he wants to be the hero instead of doing whatever is necessary in that moment to give his team a chance to keep fighting, right? Yeah, yeah, you know what? A two-run jack there would be real nice. I'll take that. But how many times do you see that player strike out instead where he could have just rolled one over to the shortstop, we tie the baseball game up, maybe shortstop makes a bad throw to first, you know, we end up on second. You know, it's all – those are little things like the – the guys just have to be locked in on at the youngest levels and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm gonna get, get the hell out of it's all about me mode, contrary to everybody around me telling me that it is all about me, and I'm gonna do what I can for my team because, you know, they they've got to go through that moment early on, so they can grow and become great players by the time they're seniors, right? Um, there's not been many seventh graders in the history of this game uh, that, you know, just showed up as seventh graders and were unselfish guys and, and, and just got it. Like you have to, you have to fail. You have to have selfish moments. You have to have moments where you toss your helmet and, you know, take yourself out of the game because of being selfish and making it about you. I mean, you have to have those moments so we can address it and help you grow and get better. Um, you know, so these tough moments as a these tough moments these young guys find themselves into, they're gonna continue to find the me players. 
and a me player is going to fail more than they succeed because the game is going to make sure of it, right? The the game 100% is going to make sure that the me guys, it's going to try to break that guy. And sometimes you have me guys who are just superior athletes and they get through their, the majority of their early playing career, they get by with it. But at some point it's going to catch up to them. And normally when it catches up to you later, the cost of tuition's a whole lot more. You know, the cost of failing's a whole lot more. You know, you're falling from like a 12-story building instead of catching it early and falling from a, you know, 12-foot ladder. So, anyways, that's that. Take you out of the equation. It's not about you. It's about your team, okay? If you play every day with I don't give a crap about me mode and you stay in I just want to help my team win today, you'd be a happier player. You'd be a better player, okay? Uh, final concept we're going to talk about, stay out of the rearview mirror, guys, okay? I'm going to give you a quick story. A couple weeks ago, in fact, it was the first JV game we played. Our pregame infield was terrible. Just tell you that. It was it was awful. Um, and our, our first baseman came up to me and said, I said, what's wrong with you? He said, well, um, our pregame infield was ta- was terrible. We're not going to play good tonight. And, and I agree. The infield was trash. It was one – you could just tell our guys were – I talked about this on previous podcasts. We were – the moment was getting a little big, you know, we just – we were prepared, but, you know, it, it just – the moment got a little too big for us, and we got out of character. And you know, So, I agreed with that, but that round the infield was not going to have any bearing on whether or not we played bad that night, right? You know, this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. You know, string a bad bat at bad at bats has no bearing on what you're capable of on this pitch. You know, the same is true of pregame infield. As bad as it was, it didn't mean that the first time a ball was hit to us, we were more likely to boot it because we didn't have a great round of infield, right? Like, how many times do you see that? Team goes out, they look terrible in infield, pregame, they come out, they make like two diving plays in the first first uh, inning and it filled a 1,000 the whole game, right? So there's no they're, – they're independent of each other. Um, but the moment, the conversation I had with this player was an example of somebody focusing on the rearview mirror instead of keeping their eyes forward on the things we could actually have an impact on. Um, we talk about this a lot. Like, you know, rear view mirror is really small. You know, your mirror, your uh, window in front, it's really big. Um, that's because the opportunities in front of us are endless, right? But there's nothing we can do about anything in the rear view except just storm away as small memories that will remind us of what not to do the next time. But there's no change in what's already happened. Like, once it's done, it's done. So, if you're finding yourself in the middle of competition, middle of practice or whatever, like, stuck on something that happened 10 minutes ago, yeah, you're you're not going to be in a good spot. You know, I see this all the time. Young players get their mind in the rear view. Adversity comes. Um, the adversity that comes after, it's too much for them to bear. Uh, and the moment that comes with it become too big, right? You can't execute in big moments if you're still pouting about what happened three innings ago. Like, it's over. Dwelling on it does nothing positive for you. It only takes your focus away from the present moment. So, um, that's kind of a really long, drawn-out way to say, so what, next pitch, right? All these things. Now, bad moments end in bad things. That's true. Those link together. Right, you go make a bad play here, walk a guy here, pass ball here. What's the end result? Runs, runs, more runs, more runs. 
Um, but you know, your ability to stop the bleeding has nothing to do with you jacking up the last three plays. You know, and that's that's the thing for young kids. It's like you had this happened our first JV game. Literally, like three balls in a row, shortstop booted it. You know, you just know, like the fourth ball is coming to you, and it did. Like four plays in a row, just bam, 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 air, air, air. Um, you know, when he came off the field, I put my hand on his chest, and like his heart was just bam, 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 speeding about 120 beats a minute. I mean, it was 140, whatever it was, and. It's like, dude, what what is going on? It's like, man, I just can't believe. Like, that's the problem. You can't believe. I was thinking, but you know, I got on one of our players last night. Comes off the field after just looking terrible in that bat, and he's like trying to give me an explanation of what he. I don't care what you were thinking there. You weren't ready to get in and compete because you were still thinking about what had just happened defensively or what had just happened in the at bat before. You know, you're in the rear view, rear view instead of looking at the opportunities and the possibilities in front of you. And you find it a lot with the young guys. I, I can tell you our older guys, they've gotten a lot better at this. Um, but they were young freshmen, young eighth graders, young seventh graders, whatever, you know, within the last five years. And they did they they weren't always good good with it. But um as coaches, as parents, like it's gotta be something that we're constantly coaching to progress. Um it's it's vital. You know, it's something, hey, you know, we have to tell them, hey. You're stuck in the rear view right now. Hey, you're stuck in I only care about me mode. Hey, how about let's work on having an opening day mindset. Those are the three points I've made today. Um, those are the three things that I feel like can help young players stay present and stay locked in on this pitch and give them the best chance to help their team win in that moment, right? But it's something that we have to be consistent and intentional about coaching them through it, talking them through it, um, identifying those moments where they're doing these things, and as we continue to identify and and then they start self-identifying, now we're making progress. These three things, they work together, man. Like if you master step one, understand the opening day mindset, uh, you're going to naturally grasp it's not about me mode because like you're bringing the right guy to the ballpark every day and you understand that your job is to help your team win. Whatever that looks like, it's to help your team win. Um, and then naturally, step three is going to take care of itself, keeping your focus out of the rear view. Uh, because your mental state's too tough to let the moment knock you off your block. Your greatest players at the high school level and the college level, they embrace these three things and they execute on all three. But they weren't always good at it. So that's my point. Like, you know, we've always it, – it's important to help them find the learning moment in each bad moment. And you tuck those lessons away in your mind so you can be better prepared to execute the next time they face a similar situation. Um, the thing that we tell our players all the time is the only time you're not growing is when we stop learning from prior experiences. Uh, stay present. Uh, the next pitch is the only thing that we can impact. So, all right, that's all I got on that one. This is a little bit of a quick episode, but I got a conference call I got to prepare for in the next couple hours. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, staying locked in on the present moment. That's probably not the greatest title, but that's the title we're rolling with for right now, unless I, change my mind by the time we change this uh bruins are back in action against lakewood tonight 6 30 first pitch uh at the bruins den if you don't have anything going on come check us out um i'm gonna work with coach justin deemer over the course of the next week to try to get him on for a live a live interview um i don't you know i think he told me he's on spring break next week so it's got 
tough week with work, but we're going to try to work that out. And then, of course, a lot of positive feedback about Coach's Corner. Um, Coach Allison did that first episode. I thought he did a phenomenal job. He touched on a lot of really great things that are important to our baseball program. So I was really just impressed with with going back and kind of listening to what he actually said. When you're when you're interviewing, it's hard to like really take it all in. But when I went back and listened to it, um, I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he represented our baseball program very well. So thank you for all the feedback, the shares, the likes, everything on that specific segment. And again, if uh, if there's stuff you want to hear, shoot me a Twitter message, email. If I see you at the ballpark, tell me, hey, would you mind talking about this? I, and we'll start, like I said, as I get a couple questions at a time, um, I'll start picking a few, and maybe we'll do a mailbag segment to where we can um, you know, make that a weekly thing. So, anyways, thank you again for all the support. Number one way you can help us, right? Like, subscribe, um, and share it with a friend. Okay, if you're listening to something that you think is impactful to another parent or another player or another coach or whatever, please like, share, share with a friend. Okay, it's the only way we can grow. Um, I appreciate everybody who spends their time listening to us, and and I mean, there's a million podcasts out there, there's many million sub stacks or whatever you can subscribe to, a million website websites you could follow. Um, but I appreciate y'all spending your time with us. So uh, that's all I got. Uh, until next time, be cool and go Bruins. Thank you.